0: This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Finning International, Inc. 4th Quarter 2021 Investor Call and Webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode, and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Analysts who wish to join the question queue may press star, then 1 on their telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Greg Palaszczuk, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Finning's fourth quarter earnings call. Joining me today is Scott Thompson, President and CEO. Following our remarks today, we'll open the line to questions. This call is being webcast on Finning.com. We've also provided a set of slides that we'll reference during our prepared remarks. The slides are posted on the Investor Relations section of our website. You can also view the slides on our webcast page. An audio file of this call and the accompanying presentation will be archived on our website. Before I turn it over to Scott, I want to remind everyone that some of the statements provided during this call are forward-looking. Please refer to Slides 10 and 11 for important disclosures about forward-looking information as well as currency and specified uh, financial measures, including non-GAAP financial measures. Please note that forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and other factors as discussed in our Annual Information Form under Key Business Risks and in our MD&A under Risk Factors and Management and Forward-Looking Information Disclaimer. Please treat this information with caution, as our
2: actual results could differ materially from current expectations. Scott, over to you. Thank you, Greg, and good morning, everyone. On today's call, I will speak about the key drivers of our 2021 performance and share our views on 2022. Greg will then review our financial performance in the fourth quarter and provide more details on our outlook by region and our objectives for the year. Please turn to slide two. We achieved strong results in 2021, driven by successful execution to deliver on our strategic plan and improve our earnings capacity. Market activity has recovered as the year progressed. Across the business, we saw tremendous momentum in capturing product support opportunities and winning major equipment deals. Our 2021 product support revenue was on par with the pre-pandemic levels of 2019, driven by our strategic focus on growing construction rebuilds and customer value agreements, and increased spending on parts and maintenance by mining customers, particularly towards the end of the year. Over the course of 2021, we were awarded multiple deals for mining equipment and product support in Chile. We won a significant share of the HS2 equipment opportunity in the UK, and we received an order for 20 797 Class trucks in the oil sands as customers have increased capital budgets and started making tangible commitments. These deals have been driving growth in our equipment backlog which is at near record levels as we enter 2022. On the supply side, we expect challenges from a constrained global supply environment to persist in 2022, resulting in longer lead times for equipment and parts in all of our regions and driving strong demand for used equipment, rentals and rebuilds. We have been leveraging our improved forecasting and supply chain capabilities to build a healthy inventory position, increasing our inventory by about $200 million from December, 2020. We are also driving rebuilds and resale of used equipment to meet customer needs as supply of new equipment remains tight. We posted annual adjusted earnings per share of $2.18 and adjusted return on invested capital of 16.4%, exceeding our mid cycle earnings per share and return on capital targets two quarters ahead of schedule, all while our revenue remained below pre pandemic levels for the year. Our improved inventory management data-driven pricing decisions, and service and supply chain efficiencies enabled us to generate solid gross profit margins in a highly competitive and constrained supply environment. Importantly, we are seeing strong operating leverage from our reduced cost base and ongoing initiatives to increase productivity of our facilities and our people so we can serve our customers in the most efficient way possible. All of our regions delivered outstanding results in 2021, Canada and South America both exited the year with 10.1% EBIT as a percentage of net revenue. Return on capital in South America exceeded 20%. And UK and Ireland posted very strong revenue and EBIT performance throughout the year. Our employees should be proud of these accomplishments. It is their dedication and exceptional execution in serving our customers that have delivered such strong results for our shareholders in a very dynamic environment. Our strong balance sheet provides us with growing capacity for reinvestment and return of capital to shareholders. In 2021, we raised our dividend by 10% and repurchased 5 million shares. We also expanded our forward fuel capabilities to a wider range of renewable and low carbon fuels. This investment will further build on the success of our forward fuel business, which continues to deliver excellent returns and customer outcomes. Looking ahead, we expect increasing interest from our customers in low- and zero-carbon technology, including electric drive, electric battery, natural gas and hydrogen blending, and hydrogen fuel cells. In partnership with Caterpillar, we will continue to offer our customers innovative and low-carbon solutions to help them reduce emissions and increase productivity. The recent announcement from Tech on partnering with Caterpillar to advance zero-emissions mining haul trucks at its BC operations is exciting news for us. Importantly, we are advancing our own sustainability journey, including a transition to energy-efficient facilities and low-carbon fuel for our vehicle fleets to further reduce our own emissions. In 2021, we were able to build on significant improvements we've made in 2020, despite higher activity levels, and reduce our absolute GHG emissions by approximately 7%. This puts us substantially ahead of schedule on our 2027 carbon reduction commitments. Recognizing the critical importance of these improvements, we are currently reviewing additional initiatives to continue reducing our carbon footprint, and we'll provide an update later this year. We believe that our 2021 performance sets a great foundation for us to capture upcycle opportunities and compound our earnings going forward. We saw the transition from mid-cycle to upcycle market conditions earlier than we had projected. From the start of 2022, we expect to be operating in an upcycle demand environment. We expect ongoing economic growth in our territories and strengthen commodity prices to support a positive market backdrop for our business. We are encouraged by increasing capital budgets, higher commodity production forecasts, and continued public and private investments in infrastructure in our regions. In summary, our team delivered excellent results in 2021 and we are optimistic about the year ahead. I am confident that we have rebuilt our business to deliver significantly improved operating leverage and expand our return on invested capital. We continue to target mid-teens and above earnings per share growth during the sustained upcycle. I will now hand it over to Greg. Thank you, Scott.
1: I'm going to provide more details on our performance in the fourth quarter and our objectives going forward. Our consolidated fourth quarter results and key drivers are summarized on slide three. Net revenue of 1.8 billion was up 14% from Q4 2020, driven by strong market activity across all regions and sectors, and our solid execution. Product support revenue recovered to 2019 levels in Q4, with a notable improvement in product support activity and capital spending by our Canadian customers through the quarter. We also saw strong execution of our use and rental strategy, which helped us successfully manage through continued supply constraints and provide equipment solutions to our customers. All our regions delivered improved operating leverage in the fourth quarter, driving EPS up 71% to 66 cents compared to adjusted EPS in Q4 2020. Slide four shows changes in our net revenue by line of business compared to Q4 2020. Product support revenue increased significantly by 12% from Q4 2020, and was higher across all regions and sectors. As highlighted in investor day, We have been strategically targeting jointly with Caterpillar outsized growth in our construction aftermarket segment. We've been very successful in executing on this plan. Construction product support revenue was up by over 30% in Q4 2020, driven by improved demand and our strategic focus on growing rebuilds and customer value agreements. An increase in new equipment sales in the quarter was driven by mining deliveries in Chile and strong construction activity in all regions. We posted very strong used equipment sales and rental utilization in the fourth quarter, especially in Canada. Our backlog was $1.9 billion at the end of December, up from $1.6 billion at the end of September. The increase was driven mainly in Canada, including an order for 2797F trucks for an oil sands operator. This order was part of a multi-year agreement focused on enhancing operational efficiency through refresh, maintenance, repair, and rebuild practices. Importantly, these trucks will replace aged competitor equipment and thus be incremental to our business. Given continued constraints in the global supply chain, we expect longer than typical delivery times for some orders in our backlog that were added in the second half of
3: 2021.
1: Turning to slide 5, an increase in gross profit from Q4 2020 was driven by higher net revenue, higher rental utilization, and improved equipment margins. Cost control was strong, with SG&A up just 1% from Q4 2020 on 14% higher net revenue and over 140% year-over-year increase in backlog. SG&A percent of net revenue was 18.5%, down 240 basis points from Q4 2020. Our fixed cost initiatives clearly offset volume-related variable costs as well as some inflationary pressure in the quarter. We have more work to do here will take us longer than previously communicated time frame of Q3 2021 to Q2 2022 to fully average 17% SGNA as a percent of net revenue over the full four- quarter period. This is primarily due to lower than projected new equipment revenues in the second half of 2021 as well as a result of, as the result of uh, supply constraints and that higher than projected product support growth rates which are more SGNA intensive than new equipment. As well as some inflationary headwinds we remain committed to delivering on our fixed cost reduction initiatives driving productivity gains and continuing strong operating leverage going forward moving to our canadian results and outlook which is summarized on slide six net revenue increased 19 percent from q4 2020 driven by higher year-end spending by our customers product support revenue is up a robust 17 percent from q4 2020 reflecting strong rebuild activity in construction and increasing spend across the mining sector. Used equipment sales were up 84% and rental revenue increased by 22% from Q4 2020, reflecting our strategic focus on rebuilds, resale, RPO conversions, and rental to fulfill customer needs in a tight supply environment. In addition, our heavy rental fleet was highly utilized in British Columbia to support flood mitigation and infrastructure repair work. EBIT as a percentage of net revenue is up 240 basis points from adjusted EBITDA as a percentage of net revenue in Q4 2020. This was reflecting improved equipment margins, higher rental utilization, and lower SG&A as a percent of net revenue. Adjusted ROIC approached 17%, a significant improvement in profitability and a 20% increase in invested capital turnover in Q4 2020. Our outlook for the Canadian business is positive, and we continue to manage through supply constraints and closely monitor the impacts of Omicron. Overall, we expect robust market activity in Western Canada in 2022, building through the year, to be supported by GDP growth, strong commodity prices, and increasing capital budgets by our customers. Please turn to slide 7 for our South America results. New equipment sales increased by 68% from Q4 2020 in functional currency, driven by deliveries to Chilean mining customers, including Tech QB2 and Cadalco Radomiro Tomich mines, and improved demand for construction equipment to support mining infrastructure and general construction projects. Product support revenue was up 10% from Q4 2020 in functional currency, with stronger demand across all sectors. Our streamlined cost structure in South America drove improved profitability sg and costs were flat to Q4 2020 while delivering 21% higher net revenue, even as the percentage of net revenue was up 180 basis points year over year. Revenue per employee in South America in 2021 improved by an impressive 40% compared to five years ago. ROIC in South America was above 20%, exceeding our mid-cycle target. Looking ahead, we continue to closely monitor constitutional reform process in Chile expect moderately higher mining royalties going forward. We recognize that the current uncertainty will continue to impact our mining customers' investment decisions in the near term, particularly as they relate to greenfield and new expansion projects. Our long-term outlook for copper mining growth in Chile remains positive. In the near near term, we continue to see strong demand for mining product support and fleet replacement, driven by strong commodity prices, low peso, mature equipment population, and customers focus on improving productivity by leveraging technology such as autonomy. We remain very well positioned with both Tech and Cadelco who are key drivers to committed medium-term investment and growth in Chilean mine. We're also very encouraged by recent announcements of capital investment in Argentina's lithium and copper projects by lar- large global mining customers, including Rio Tinto and Lundin. Our South America team is actively quoting on opportunities for power and equipment solutions for our global customers operating in Argentina. Turning to the UK and Ireland on slide eight, net revenue was slightly below Q4 2020 in functional currency due to the timing of power system project deliveries to data center customers. Construction activity though was strong with revenue from constri- construction sector up 26% from Q4 2020, driven by equipment deliveries to HS2 and improved demand for product support. UK and Ireland delivered ROIC of approximately 15% in 2021 reflecting strong revenue recovery, increased EBIT, and significant improvements in capital efficiency. With our backlog at record levels, continued robust construction activity, and demand for power system solutions, our outlook for the UK and Ireland business remains strong. We have captured more than 200 million of equipment orders for HS2 to date. We believe we are well positioned to continue capturing a large share of opportunities for the remainder of HS2 Phase 1. Most Caterpillar machines working on the HS2 project are supported by a range of customer value agreements, and our construction customers have the option to benefit from our Cubic platform and our construction apps. This gives us good line of sight into product support opportunities in the UK going forward. Slide nine summarizes our expectations and objectives for 2022. We're actively managing inflationary pressures through the continued focus on productivity improvements. We've also taken proactive steps to hire technicians Support our growing service volumes. Over the course of 2021, we added more than 180 technicians to our Triple R locations in Canada, and in South America, we hired approximately 450 technicians last year to meet increasing business volumes and new cr- contracts awarded by customers during the year, representing approximately 18% of our technical workforce by the end of the year. As our business environment shifts, up, shifts to upcycle demand, our entire organization remains focused on executing our strategic plan grow product support, reduce costs, and reinvest cash flow to compound earnings. We remain committed to demonstrating strong operating leverage as we continue to target mid-teens and above EPS growth during the sustained upcycle. We will continue to make strategic investments in our facilities network, rental assets, used equipment business, and digital platform. As a result, we project our 2022 net capital expenditures and rental fleet additions to be in the $240 to $280 million range. We finished the year with net debt to adjusted EBITDA of 1.1 times, which further strengthens our significant capacity to reinvest. We continue to advance our M&A strategy and expect to deploy capital with a near-term focus on complementary businesses in the small to medium size range that are aligned with our product support growth strategy, drive improved outcomes for our customers, and deliver attractive rates of return. Operator, uh, Operator, I'll now turn the call back to you for questions.
0: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. Analysts who wish to join the question queue may press star then one on their telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Our first question comes from Yuri Link of Canaccord. Please go ahead.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. Morning, Yuri. Uh, congrats on uh, finally pushing, punching through two dollars in earnings. Having covered the company for a long time, it was nice to see. Um, Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, um, the upcycle that that you're referencing for for 2022. Just want to make sure that we're, we're you were talking about revenue as well as 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 earnings. Um, just given the the supply constraint constraints. I'm I'm struggling a little bit with um, how to think about the the, the cadence of the backlog burn. So anything you can, any additional color on on revenue expectations would be helpful.
1: Yeah, sure. So we're certainly seeing upcycle demand and we're working to meet it with up, you know, with the supply side of the equation. I think for the first half of the year, you know, the the guidance we've given at Investor Day for the first half of the year still holds. So uh, given the three and a half million in the second half of last year, we're looking kind of the three six to 4.0 for the first half. Um, probably a little bit more product support and used, and a little less new equipment in, in that balanced mix. And then H2, that's when more of the backlog delivers. Um, so you'd see a bit of a step up uh, depending on the supply equation at that point in time.
4: Okay. So the, the caution on the uh, the 17%. SG&A target. That's that's solely due due to um, not solely due, but mostly due to the to the revenue uh, shortfall that we saw in the back half of the year. Um, any, uh, how closely are you monitoring the the cost situation there, and and how challenging is that?
1: Yeah, I think we're managing it well. We're certainly happy. We've had a lot of fixed cost initiatives in flight. Um, you know, with a little less new equipment than we we're expecting in the second half. And uh, the great momentum and product support um, that makes shift adjust the equation a bit, but we have still got the fixed cost initiatives in flight. We'll keep working our way through, and you know, as the new equipment ticks back up a little, um, you know, we'll, we'll still be working towards that operating leverage.
4: Okay, I'll turn it over. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
0: Our next question comes from Jacob Bout of CIBC. Please go ahead.
3: Uh, good morning. Good morning, Jacob. I had a question on um, on the backlog. Um, so you know, nice growth quarter on and quarter and, and year on year. But and I know you made the comments that it was driven primarily by Canada. But maybe you could break that down with you know a bit more color by by region, uh, particularly in, in South America. Um, you know, do you expect deliveries to to slow down in, in 2022, and then um, you know what you're expecting in the, in the uk
1: yeah sure so in terms of south america we had some large builds last year so of course we've had qb2 in the backlog for quite a while and it's delivered and continues to deliver the remaining pieces and then we also have the cadelco order that started to deliver in the back half of last year and there's some more units to go um we haven't completely refreshed well, what order intake continues to be strong we haven't had orders of that magnitude to replace. So that's more um, kind of balanced. And then in uh, the UK its record backlog um, as we highlighted one over over 200 million pounds of HS2 orders. So that's solidly in backlog and delivering uh, mixed with data centers. So I think it's fairly balanced there. We'll kind of have to see how the remaining HS2 orders go um, throughout the year. But I think both are fairly balanced. Um, Yeah, in the end, Canada has certainly seen a nice uptick in than last year.
3: Okay, maybe just a second question here on capital allocation. Um, You know, you're approaching a one-time leverage ratio, Um, you know, you gave some guidance as far as uh, CapEx, but, um, you know, what what are the priorities between share buyback and and M&A? I know you talked also about small tuck-ins, but, you know, how how aggressive should we expect you to get on M&A?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think it'll be a continue to be a balanced approach. You um, know, look at the dividend, continue to improve. We've been buying back about one percent of our float per quarter. I think that's something we'll continue to to review and and look to. And uh, from there, yeah, we're, we're working through M&A pipeline. Like I said, it's it's small to medium size, but there's some interesting opportunities in the product support growth area, particularly in the kind of 24/7 service operations. So we're looking at those as well. And so I think it's going to be a balanced approach of uh, of each of those.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Jacob.
0: Our next question comes from Sherilyn Radborn of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thanks very much and good morning. Um, in terms of the morning. extended lead times that you're seeing on equipment and parts, i just hoping you could characterize those versus what the company has seen in prior cycles. Um, and talk about how confident you feel about being able to supplement with used rental and rebuild if necessary.
1: Yeah, and that, that's what, exactly what we've been doing, Sherilyn, so I think we'll keep on with that. Um, some elements feel a little bit like 2018. Um, there's probably a little bit more given um, you know, some of the COVID risks that you worry about, but it feels kind of similar. So we've managed through that fairly well. Uh, we've been managing through the last three quarters really well um, as you probably heard on the cat call, it's going to be another year where it's pretty tough to, for dealers to get inventory because customers are pulling hard when it arrives um, and the supply chain's are working as fast as it can. And so, um, you know, I think we'll continue doing what we've done. Uh, we'll supplement with used. Um, the rental fleet's quite busy. We'll make some additions there. Um, so where we see gaps emerging, we've been filling it really well. And, and so I think we'll just keep on with
2: that. And I guess Charlene Scott said a couple other things to add. I mean, I think we were early in the, the ordering process here based on some of the data. We've talked to you about that uh, a lot. And so we have built inventory, which I think differentiates us. I think our inventory is up about $200 million. Uh, and we've got a lot of that as parts as well, which is helpful because it's important to keep our customers up and running right now. Uptime is extremely important to them. So that parts build will, will be helpful as well. So I feel I'm feeling good about our relative position in a, in obviously a constrained
3: environment that we're not immune from.
5: And then,
0: I guess given that supply environment and maybe some residual uncertainty in South America, what do you think is the prospect for rebuilds to take hold down there, where customers have traditionally bought new, um, and what's Finning's capacity to accommodate that? If you saw that in 2022.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely top of mind, something we've been talking to customers quite a bit about. Um, It would be more typical in in South America towards the end of first life to send things over to Africa, certainly having active conversations uh, with customers about uh, getting a second life similar to the oil sands. And we've actually had our our VP of mining from Canada for the last four years move back down to South America and very familiar with that dynamic and the rebuilds we do. So that's something we're pushing and, and we're seeing some interest from customers.
2: And then on, on the capacity side, I mean, you're very familiar with OEM here in, in Western Canada, which is a obviously a competitive advantage for us here. We have a similar called CRC in Antofagasta, and so the same capabilities in in South America that we have in, in Western Canada from, from a capability capacity perspective.
1: Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Sherilyn.
0: Our next question comes from Michael Dumet of Scotiabank. Please go ahead.
3: Hey,
6: good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, great quarter. Um, that goes without saying. Um, so, product support was particularly strong in, in Canada, and typically there's a little bit of a slowdown at the end of the year as productivity wanes during the holidays. It doesn't look like that necessarily happened. So, I'm wondering if this kind of unexpected strength is something. You know, you're seeing and expect to continue to see through the first half of 21, despite potential headwinds from Omicron.
2: Yes, thank you, Michael. I'll, I'll take that one. So, so one, I guess it wasn't an strength for us. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the construction aftermarket opportunity. Um, it's aligned with CAT's initiative to, to double services growth, and we feel like we've been on this now for know three or four years starting with connecting machines um, customer value agreements uh, and, 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 and coming up with great value propositions for our customers um, and so when you think about that construction aftermarket um, and Greg correct me if I'm wrong but I think the 30% growth year-over-year year on the construction side and so we said at investor day we thought that that was going to grow at outsized rates relative to mining and, and that's what's, what's happening um, and so as you think about the runway, we've got significant runway because the market share is, is at a significantly different level than on the mining side. So we're going to expect our mining product support to continue to grow. Uh, and with capital budgets um, releasing here, I think that's very positive for 2022. But the momentum in our construction uh, aftermarket is, is really positive and will we'll continue for multiple
6: years. That's great color, Scott. Thanks. And that 30% growth is obviously very impressive. Um, um, You know, with South America and the UK and Ireland, revenues essentially back to pre-pandemic levels um, in Canada, you know, so far lagging. What are the prospects for Canada to now become the largest source of earnings growth in 2022? And I guess given the backdrop, how do you feel about, you know, the region getting back to pre-pandemic levels, you know, in terms of revenues in the short term, I guess, despite the supply constraints?
1: Yeah, and we're optimistic about Canada. There's um, quite a lot of good things going on between um, government spend programs, GDP growth, um, commodity growth, capex budgets. So, um, you know, I think across the energy space capex budgets on average are up 33% this year, probably a little lighter for some of the miners, but heavier for those drilling wells. So um, that's helpful for us. That um, is a trend that we haven't seen in quite some time, and that provides a pretty good backdrop. And lots of spending that goes in and around that but it's also in precious metals and, and pretty broad-based so um, Canada certainly feels like it's got quite a bit of momentum headed into this year um, and then you know there can't see any reason why we wouldn't be able to get back to previous levels uh, as that recovers um, you know uh, I think supply will, will, will throughout the year will build and we've secured more in backlog now so that, that helps underpin a piece as well:
6: That's great guys thank you. Thanks, Michael.
0: Our next question comes from Ross Gillardi of Bank of America. Please go ahead.
7: Um morning guys. Morning, Ross. Um and yeah, Scott, congrats on, you know, getting to the right targets. I I I know uh I know that's return on invested capital and improving return on invested capital's been your 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 goal from the day you you joined Finning many years ago. So um uh, must must be very gratifying to finally to finally get there. Um, your gross. I had a que- question on your, your, your gross margins. Um, your gross margin finished 2021 at 26.9%. You've you had a, a positive comp in the fourth quarter for the first time here, and um, you know back at the prior peak, you, you did roughly 30% gross margin. So. As we enter this upcycle, as you're calling it, I mean, is that 30% level in play? I mean, is it realistic to see, say, 100 basis points of gross margin expansion, you know, for the next couple of years?
2: So, so why don't I take that, Ross? So, one, thanks for the comments on the ROIC. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's been a journey, as you know, and it's really pleasing to see South America uh, get back to the historical peaks on, you know, on a, on a revenue base that's not quite there yet. Um, so, so thank you for those comments um, Your comment on gross margin. So we have seen gross margin expansion. I think it's been driven by a couple of things one is um, an inventory situation that's um, you know, been very good relative to other uh, kind of ups and downs in the cycles and So that you know, we haven't had any it, That's it helped in terms of you know, the quality of the inventory. I think the second um, piece obviously is uh, what we're doing on you know, value add for the customer, which has helped and, you know, Cubic's the example of that, but but there's there's more. The customer value agreements have, have been very helpful in that regard. And then the third, obviously, is the supply constrained environment, which um, it is uh, also, you know, takes away some of that pressure. Um, you know, as we look forward, uh, I think there's, um, you know, more opportunity on, on gross profit margin, uh, to be honest. Um, You know as our capabilities around uh pricing and optimization elasticity improve um, as our uh, value-added services which has been a huge focus over a multi-year period continue uh, and we deliver more value to the customers then then i think we still have
7: some opportunity on on the gross profit margin side okay um got it and then uh had more of a uh Technology-related question. Um, you know, CAT's uh, you know very excited about um, you know their their dynamic uh, gas blended engine, and wondering if you could talk about that uh, you know a little bit. Um, can, can you get that engine for a mining truck, like an Ultra Series mining truck, or, or is it really only available for oil and gas applications? And I'm just wondering if if, if mine, your mining customers. Are looking at uh, the dynamic gas blended engine as a legitimate alternative for for reaching their um, you know their 2030 uh, emission objectives.
2: Uh, so yeah, so the so the, the first the, the 3500 dual gas blending engine is a, it's a great product that CAT has, and I think it is a differentiator. And and just for everyone else on the call, it has the ability to um, displace. 80% of diesel with natural gas, and also has the ability to uh, have 20% hydrogen without a re-rate. So, it's, I mean, it's a it's a great product. that's win-win. It's win for the emissions. It's win for for costs, etc. And we're starting to see a pretty big uptick with our customer base. I think we've talked about some of the demonstrations we've had, and we've got quite a number of those engines in the backlog. And a couple of ca- customers, as the capital budgets have freed up, have have indicated a real desire to replace fleets with these these engines. So that's point one. You know, great product great uptick with customers. You know, as you think about your question about mining trucks, I do think, you know, there, a debate needs to be had on uh, alternative fuels. You know, I don't think it's just uh, a battery or hydrogen solution that is, you know, in the multi-year. I think there is an opportunity for alternative fuels to, to play a role here, to drive down emissions, and CAT's and product um, is capable of doing that. And so, you know, to be frank, not a lot of customers have picked that up yet on the big mining trucks? But some have. You know, if you've noticed that Imperial has talked a little bit about alternative fuels uh, as an example, uh, and I know some of our other mining customers were, were in that uh, discussion as well. So I think more to come on that, Ross. Uh, and I do, I do agree with you. I think there's an opportunity um, to, to push that harder in the years to come.
7: But is it is it offered now, Scott? Like, could, could you could you buy a mining truck with the with the DGB engine in it today?
2: So there, there's a there's a an actual mine site in Mexico that's fully natural gas uh, run, and so so it is technically possible. Um, the question is, you have to have you know the combination of uh, the application the customer desire, and a lot of the customers right now are really focused on hydrogen and um, you know battery, which is kind of the path to zero emissions. And, and one of the things that I, th- I think we need to do with our customers is educate them on the possibilities of, you know, reducing emissions in a shorter timeline uh, to, the, to, you know, 30 to 40 percent uh, with the technology that is capable today. And so, so, yes, it is technically feasible, but there hasn't been a lot of uptake on it yet, which is somewhat surprising to me.
7: Got it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Russ.
0: Our next question comes from Brian Fast of Raymond James. Please go ahead.
3: Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Morning, Brian. Um, Greg, just on your commentary surrounding inflationary headwinds, uh, could we get some more colour on on just where you're seeing that?
1: Sure. Um, Well, as you can tell from CPI, it's fairly broad-based. But certainly in things like uh, energy inputs um, to fleet, um, some on insurance, um, you know, and uh, on labor, we'll expect in the future too. Um, you know, salaried employees, um, after a couple of years where we haven't had um, increases, we'll have an increase this spring, um, whereas hourlies have had uh, wage increase each way along. So we'll see some additional uh, costs on the labor side. Um, and then just on the procurement initiatives. Um, you know, we continue to make progress in a lot of areas, you know, maybe not with some of the savings that we thought a year or two ago, so some of it's broad-based, but um, you know, so I, I think it's across the board. Everybody's seeing pressures, but of course, you know, energy insurance would be a couple of the hotspots.
3: Okay, thanks. And then just in South America, uh, do you sense there's been a shift in tone from customers since the presidential election um, in Chile? Uh, now that we have clarity on that front um or do you still see some tension tentative- tentativeness given um the constitutional reform is still up up in the air
2: yeah brian it's that uh, so one I have seen a, a change in tone and it's it's you know it's it's interesting certainty is better than uncertainty, right and so you have a new president um that um gets elected by a you know a, a significant um, majority and um and he obviously comes from you know left-leaning but he's actually brought some certainty to the situation and I think the fact that he has put in place a you know a a minister of finance that comes from the central bank that is very well regarded is very good news and as I said prior having the the congress the the lower house have a majority of center-right is is great news as well so so yes I have seen a shift in tone over the last couple months which is good news and I think that is you know driving a lot of optimism for the next couple years that all being said you know there still is uncertainty around the constitutional reform and i think we're going to see customers hesitate to you know put big new fleet renewals in place until there's you know that certainty is, is 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 resolved so you know step in the right direction but i think more to come um to completely um get rid of the uncertainty
3: okay fair enough uh, thanks for taking my questions
8: Thanks, Brian.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. Our next question comes from Maxim Sichev of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
5: Hi. Good morning. Morning, Max. Um, uh, Greg and, and maybe Scott, if, if you if you want to to add to this, um, just kind of building on the whole Chilean dynamic. Uh, obviously, if you know some of the clients are let's say, reluctant to make long-term decisions on new fleets. And you mentioned that potentially, you know, rebuild opportunity in that geography. Uh, do you have the capacity to do, to do this internally, or would you have to, um, you know, contemplate uh, adding capacity, you know, via, uh, you know, either hiring m a How should we think about this just in terms of being able to capture that potential opportunity?
2: So, so Max and Scott, I'll I'll start, and then Greg, you add on. So, one, I I do think that dynamic is is real, and when you have copper prices at this level, um, you know, production uptime becomes so critical, and so you know, the product support opportunity is 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 got a lot of momentum behind it. And back to my answer to Sherilyn's question, we have the capabilities and capacity to to deal with that. So, we have a a component rebuild center in Antofagasta, very high quality. center um and and it's it has more capacity to be able to take on this activity and we ha- and frankly we have some you know self-help uh, opportunities here to cr- increase the velocity through which we put um you know products through that facility which will help even more so um you know i'm really encouraged about the outlook for 2022 on the on the product support side in south america
5: Okay, super helpful. And just in terms of the ability to uh, hire technicians in that geography, do you mind me just uh, adding a couple of uh, points in terms of uh, sort of the game plan there?
2: Yeah, so we have hired um, approximately, I think, 400 technicians um, during the year. So that's about, I would say, a little bit more than 15% of our technical workforce. I think we've made some great strides with some of our large customers Um, You know, particularly on the diversity and inclusion agenda, which has been, you know, fantastic. We've partnered with BHP, and and um, and we've been partnering with them the last couple of years to to build out that technical workforce, and that's been a huge, huge win for us. Um, And as as I said, I think to to a lot of you, I think we're employer of choice in South America. Um, You know, we come up high in all of the employee surveys and all of the ratings, and so we've got a great value proposition for for employees and. Um, and, and people want to work for us there, so it's been a, you know, a lot of hiring going on on the back of QV2 and Codelco and uh, and the and the uptick in demand, and that probably will continue uh, throughout 2022. I think what's really encouraging is they've been able to grow that base, revenue base though, and do that hiring and keep the SG&A uh, consistent, right? I mean the SG&A hasn't increased, and so they've been hiring on the technical front, but they have taken being taking costs out in other areas, which has been really encouraging as well.
1: Yeah, and Max, one other dynamical highlight, you know, reviewing us with the team is, um, you know, the last time we really added a lot of people, 2012, 2013, uh, brought a lot of new people into the company, and so it's now, you know, eight, nine years later, and so those people are a lot more senior, and so they've had a a really good time promoting internally and then hiring more junior people into the mix, and it's worked really well, and that timing's been
5: Okay, super helpful. And just one one, uh, brief question, if I may, uh, Greg, in terms of non-cash working capital, how should we think about that investment in 2022? And maybe if you can contrast this versus, I think it was 277 million uh, investment in 2021.
1: Thanks. Yeah, so we'll we'll continue to to add working capital to normalize some of the new equipment balance. We've probably got some, op- some safety stock in, in parts right now that we can probably offset. So I think well, there'll be some net add, but I think uh, equipment turns will probably normalize as we get access to, to more new. Um, and then parts, I think there's some efficiency opportunities when when supply normalizes a bit, so they can kind of offset. But of course, in a growing upcycle environment, we think we'd be adding net working capital.
5: Okay. Makes sense. Uh, thanks, Will. That's it for me. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Our next question comes from Sabat Khan of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
8: All right, great. Thanks very much. Um, just a question on the 22 commentary. I guess the earlier comments around product support being a bit more of a factor in H1 and then new equipment in H2 should we expect margins to kind of follow that trajectory with better margins in H1 or do you think margin will be more like your traditional seasonality?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be more traditional seasonality, which is, you know, really builds into strong Q2 and Q3. Um, And, and, but yeah, more product support in the first half and then new equipment in the second. And there's always a mixed dynamic there Um, and, and mining um, will be, large contributor to the second half. So I think higher volumes, but uh, a little bit of a mix shift there.
8: Okay, great. And then on the HS2 commentary earlier, it sounds like you've secured about 200 million of the orders. But I guess if you think about the 500 million broader opportunity, how much of that has already been issued and just how much more is uh, still left to, I guess, source for, by, the, by the project owners?
1: Yeah, there's still about a third left thereabouts
8: um so still lots to go after okay and then just one quick one on the uk i think there was some timing called out for the the power systems deliveries was that like a material amount and should we expect that to come back uh, maybe in the early part of this year on the revenue side
1: yeah there's quite quite a bit in backlog Um, most of it is pure timing some of it was customers having some delays in their timelines and so, it did move in into the, the first half, but pretty evenly through the year. Um, yeah, that was certainly you know slower on a year-over-year comparison,
3: uh, but still lots in backlog. Great.
4: Thanks very much. Thanks, Eva.
0: Our next question comes from Devin Dodge of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
8: Thanks. Uh, good morning, guys. Um, just wanted to pick up on that earlier thread uh, on on Chile. Uh, you, you've touched on some of this already, but there have been some you know early announcements coming out of the Constitutional Assembly that you know could be uh, you know quite negative for the mining industry if they were enacted, which is an important caveat. But is this is this just a case of some radical ideas coming out of the subcommittees, and you know should we be discounting them? Just wanted to get your kind of boots on the ground perspective.
2: Yeah, so uh, you're probably, um, you know, there was some some commentary out of the Environment Committee which you're probably referring to, and I think the thing to keep in mind, Devin, is that for that to become anywhere near to being part of the charter for the constitutional referendum later in 2022, you need two-thirds of the full assembly to be in support of that. So, you know, I, I don't think anyone is... Um, Putting any uh, real attention, honestly, to to what just came out of the Environment Committee, I guess point one. I think point two. I think what to watch um, because there are real issues there. Is uh, the mining royalty and tax review, which my expectation is it's going to be you know resolved in in the first half of this year, and I continue to believe that it's going to be you know a moderate increase. Um, you know, right now the government take through royalties and taxes are around you know 36, 37, 38 percent, and I suspect that goes up to you know 43, 44, 45 percent. And um, to me, you know, getting that behind us helps on that certainty issue, right? And so that's the thing to watch if I if I were you. Um, you, you know, to date, really good news. I think coming out of Chile, when you see the, you know, the the lower house being uh, center-right, uh, which makes it, you know, hard to have really polarized things come through that, that uh, the political environment. And then second, having um, the finance minister come from the central bank, I think, is really good news as well. So, all in all, I think we're in a, you know, a much better shape than three months ago. But still, a little bit of uncertainty that we have to navigate through until we see big, new uh, capital commitments. In my mind.
8: Okay. That's uh, that's good color. Thanks for that. Um, a second question is, look, you've even asked this in, in various forms, uh, you know, before, but, it, you know, it does come up occasionally. Uh, but in, in prior up cycles, we've seen some of that uh, hard fought cost discipline that was achieved during the downturn kind of fade away and some expenses start to creep back into the business. What sort of things would you point to that give you confidence that the operational improvements that you've, you know shown in 2021 are more sustainable
2: yeah so one i think you have to take it in a you know longer context of kind of the seven or eight year journey we've been on and when you look at the the cost reductions um and the way we've transformed this business you know it's to the tune of 20 to 25 percent uh of the cost base and that has been through a restructuring of the business primarily right and then you look at what we're doing from a triple r perspective which is making sure the the right work gets done in the right facilities with the you know the right uh, technical workforce. That's a it's a game changer. When you think about the e-commerce going from um, you know 10% of parts delivered to 40 to 50% of parts delivered, uh, that's a game changer. When you think of the you know the initiatives to move uh, support functions uh, closer to the branch. Uh, which is great from a cultural perspective, great from an understanding the business perspective, but also really important from a cost perspective. You know that's a game changer. So uh, you know, I feel really good about the structural things that we've done to increase our competitiveness, um, and which is helping on the market share side uh, as well. Um, and And undoubtedly, you know we're facing some uh, inflationary uh, um, headwinds for sure, which Greg referenced. and and that will be uh, a little bit of a headwind. But the offset to that is I think there's a lot more structural changes, fixed cost structural changes to go after. And I look at our supply chain business as an example, right? Our supply chain delivery and our supply chain business. But, you know, we have three warehouses right now in Edmonton and we're going to move that into one in 2022. Right? You think about the cost associated with that uh, is pretty significant. When you think about running our, um, you know, our component rebuild uh, capabilities, you know, on not only a high quality, but also uh, you know, focus on low cost delivery. I think that's a, a a big contributor as we go forward as well. So there are inflationary headwinds, but there are also significant opportunities for us to um, continue to take out fixed costs. And I think this whole team recognizes the importance of that SGNA uh, initiative. You know, that SGNA initiative allows us to not only be extremely competitive with our customers and capture more market share it also allows us to generate uh, free cash flow allows us to reinvest in the business and increase the earn, earnings capacity of the business and there's you know that whole my whole team is aligned around that objective so you know we'll navigate through it like we've navigated through the last seven years and we're going to come up the other side of this um you know getting to that 17 percent target and then ultimately i think there's more to go after that to tell you the truth
8: Okay, that's good. That's uh, that was a really good color. Thanks for that, uh, and congrats on uh, the results—not just uh, in Q4, but really for all uh, all of last year. Uh, well done. Thanks, Devin.
0: This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Greg Palaszczuk for any closing remarks.
1: Great. Thanks, operator. Uh, that concludes today's call. Uh, thanks everyone for joining, and have a safe day.
0: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a
7: pleasant day. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster.